Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? I'm always here. It's like I, I almost, it's like cheers. I never, I never you go never home. leave. No, I just home. like, this is my bar stool and I'm I, Norm I'm over here. I'm convinced Norm had a cot in the back. I, I, I can't argue that. Yeah. I mean, we never saw Vera. No. Which, See, could have been all made up. Which, by the way, you remind me, I have something to d- discuss at the end. Uh-oh. It has had nothing to do with anything, so it'll fit in great. Perfect. Yep. That's what people listen to us for. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> well, speaking of why they listen to us, Mark, we're here to talk about Season six, episode 19, flu season, duh. Duh. Flu season two? Two. Yeah, two. That one. I don't know if you knew this. I'm mm-hmm. French Canadian, so I knew what that meant. about bacon. <laughs> Sacre <laughs> bleu. Sacre bleu. We do bacon and wine yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Whatever it takes, Bob. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Load them up. I remember thinking Canadian bacon was basically just ham. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. Okay, good. I mean, if anybody is listening uh, from French Canadian extraction, yeah, I would say I would take the the glove and and slap Smack you across me. the yeah. face with it. But <laughs> it's basically just yeah. it's just it's, ham, just ham, basically. Speaking of ham, ham comes up in this episode, mm, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It sure does. <sighs> if anyone wants to get paid, it does. <laughs> well, Mark, this episode first aired on April tenth, twenty fourteen. Yup, and. Uh, I believe we this one was uh, directed by Nick Offerman. This oh, is yeah. The second of two. So I he saw did that. two episodes. He did one from season five in this episode. Mark, this one was written by Megan Omron and mm. Dave King. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, did, they shared the golden pen on this one, Mark. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And uh, this is Megan's fourth out of five and Dave's six out of seven, unless you count the 2020 special, which they both also co authored. Oh, so there you go. Okay, I was curious if they had ever like tag teamed on Perhaps. an episode before. I, I'm I'm wondering now myself now remember. that you've asked. Yeah, it's it seems likely to me, and I I'm not sure we always catch the co-authored because um, we we've I, seen that before, we right? Have. We've seen it where we pairs of people will tag team. Yes. maybe they work well together yeah. or whatever. Could maybe be just drew yeah, the unlucky I, straw. Exactly, and then you know, of course, the whole writers' room is part of the writing team, so mm. everyone gets to chip in. But usually, a writer in this case, two writers, basically, it's their responsibility to bring it back to the story room. Right, a writer and b writer. Yeah, there, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Not to be confused with ghost writer. So, mm. Yes. Well, hey, Mark, why don't we get into our episode synopsises? Oh, that's me. Okay. That's you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have synopsises. I'm lousy with synopsises over here. So get ready and don't better get Better than lurpuses. Yeah. Um, it is better than lurpuses. Yeah, you're right. We don't think we have any lurpuses. Uh, it's episode. been a minute. We've been, it, we've been lurpusless for a little bit. Yeah. Like they're going to, they're easing off. Just I put to, a cream on it and went right away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I broke this sucker up into Uno Dos tr- uh, three, uh, three stories. That I is correct. It. Yes. Yay. It's USA. Trois in French, if that's what you're looking is for. Is that what it is? Since you're a French Canadian. I knew that. Uno Trois. Yeah. What? Huh? What? Beth, bless you. Thank um, you. All right. So the A story I have as entitled Chip McCap, more like Chip McCrap. I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, for me. All it's right. functional. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I mean, it's that, funny. That's what I, I strive for. Funny. I like to do the thing where it does the thing where I want it to do. All right. <laughs> well done. <laughs> With flu season in full swing, Leslie is desperate not to get sick has quarantined an infected Jerry and warns Andy to take plenty of vitamins. She cannot afford to get sick. Leslie is ecstatic 
when Andy announces he secured Chip McCap, a 17-year-old country singer who Pawnee loves, as headliner for the Unity concert. However, when Chip later backs out, Leslie and Andy decide to go to his studio in Indianapolis to change his mind. Just before they leave, Leslie yarfs in the trash can. <laughs> Blames Jerry for giving her the flu as well as she should. While en route to Indianapolis, Leslie visits a pharmacy to pick up some flu medicine, but when the pharmacist doesn't see any telltale signs of the flu and suggests it might be something else, Leslie's eyes kind of wander over to the pregnancy test. What? What? Prior to meeting Chip, Leslie takes the test and... I don't know what the response was, but she unsuccessfully tries to call Ben. Uh, they end up meeting with Chip, and they are fans of Chip, but it becomes clear Chip is not nice. He's not like the a, nicest he's person. a selfish, bratty brat with yes. no boundaries or doesn't respect nobody, and he insults Pawnee. And honestly, Leslie is kind of tempted to tell him off. What will happen? Does Leslie end up telling off Chip McCap? Who can Leslie and Andy find as a replacement headliner? What did Leslie find out from her pregnancy test? Stay tuned to find out dot dot dot. Very nice. Yeah. Nice job. I had the same A story and uh, my title this week was A Chip Off the Old Brat. Oh, so even we, better. We were in sync. Noise. For sure. Noise. How about your B story? All right. B story incoming. Uh, I have it. It is entitled... Uh, discovering who is certifiable. That's kind of a gimme. I like that. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. Um, That's my theme, Brass. It's funny. (laughs) It's funny. You like that? Okay. Interested in hiring a wine expert for his new restaurant, Tom's Bistro, Tom plans a trip with Donna and April to go to a local vineyard where a number of sommeliers will be competing for their certification. Although not invited by Tom, Craig, Ron, and Ben also come along. The grandpas, they, the grandpas. They, they come along to Tom's irritation at the winery. Tom zeroes in on his best prospect, Mister Zender Truffaut. Uh, while there, Craig and April also register to be part of the competition, but for very different reasons. Craig is a surprisingly knowledgeable but hot-headed. Uh, Craig, <laughs> can you believe it? <laughs> And why he's a wine connoisseur, and you wouldn't expect he is, but he no. is. Whereas April just wants to screw with the judges. <laughs> How will this turn out? Who will receive their sommelier certification? Can April get through the event without security getting involved? <laughs> Who will Tom get to come work for him at Tom's Bistro? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Mm-hmm. Mark, uh, my B story title was Bistro on the Bordeaux. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I like that I kinda a lot. like that one. All right, C story. Title, Blueberry Winer. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. I like that. You drive a car we call the Blueberry. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it's roughly the, you, the shape You nicknamed it Blueberry, Blueberry. and we all, we all go along with it. Yeah, it's yeah. an homage to the great series Psych. Yes. Yes. All right. While at the vineyard, Ben, who earlier had received a check in the mail gets a call from his father explaining the check, saying he sold the family lake house without telling anyone, and the check represents Ben's share of the profits. Ben feels upset and disrespected and attempts mm. to vent to Ron. Ron, 
is not a big fan of this and quickly gets hold of some alcohol so Ben will have something to do with his mouth. Besides, talk to him. The two head out into the vineyard fields with several bottles of blueberry wine, leading to Ben quickly becoming a rambling, inebriated mess. During this time, Ben receives a call from Leslie. See the A story above. That's right. But before anything of value is communicated, Ben drops his phone in a muddy puddle, ending the call and making his phone go dead. Worried about Leslie and not wanting to wait around for Tom, and not really thinking straight, Ben decides to walk home so that he can get to Leslie ASAP, and Ron decides to walk with him. What will happen? How many bottles of blueberry wine will Ben drink? Can Ben get over his anger at his father selling the family lake house? Who do Ben and Ron meet on their journey home? Hang in there, true believers only. Time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Uh, I, I had the same sea story, and I titled mine Beach House Bingo. Oh, yeah. I like that. You get that? Very so, good. Yeah. So, apropos. How about your AKA, Mark? Yeah, how about them AKAs? I just do one. No, oh, sure. How I about you? I, but I'm only going to reveal one because I think you picked the other one. Oh, okay. So you're... I'm betting, I'm betting Vegas money we, we were in the same <laughs> thought process here. You're only going to say one, but you have a safety net. I have a safety. Okay, okay. I, I'm a Boy Scout, Mark. I come prepared. I understand. That's I've right. always heard that yep. about you. Um, so my AKA is by my man crush, Ron. And uh, he Shocker. he says uh, on account of Ben's wanting to vent, and he's not a big fan of Ben no. venting. And so his quote is this: He says to him, he says, "Put some alcohol in your mouth to block the words from coming out." <laughs> that's pretty good. I How do about think you? that's a T-shirt. Uh, yeah. So I I suspected you would choose that one, uh -huh. and I chose the other one right next to it, which is <laughs> when he's presented with the blueberry wine, he says. I do not drink alcohol from that portion of the color spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until he learns those how. Are, those are both good. Until he sees the alcohol content and he changes his mind. Well, yeah. Well, because, you know, why not? Yeah. That's impressive. Well, nice job on the, uh, the synopsises and the AKA. I think, Mark, it's time for the breakdown. It is time for the breakdown. So here we go. Get ready. Oh, did we mention, Alan, of the round table there? Mm -hmm. uh, did we mention that this is a producer's cut? Oh, yeah. man, I'll tell you what. I am not on it this week. I did not do my job at all. Yeah. So thank you. Um, you are absolutely correct, Mark. This is a producer's cut, which I think clocked in somewhere around 2720. Yeah. So that that's a lot. That's a lot of beef. Yeah. extra beef in there or it's soy like 21 30 on the the standard cut so right roughly six six minutes yeah. of extra material here that we're talking through today yeah this is very impressive and well and what made me think of it is depending on whether you're watching the standard yes. version or the producer's cut the cold open is different that, that's absolutely true. there's a scene here which we're going to go into right now that isn't on the uh at the, all the standard one at it all just isn't there at all right and i think we will probably play what would have been the, the cold open from the standard. Cut. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Go for it. All right. So we, the cold open for this, the producer's cut is, uh, we start this episode looking at a door with a sign that says unity concert talent show auditions. And inside we see several people auditioning for Leslie and Andy. Among them are famous uh, Pawnee MC Martin Housley, who's really known for his impersonations. And he does a pretty good job with people like yes. he does uh, Quentin Tarantino and John Malkovich and he does. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. 
and he didn't know who any of those people are, but, <laughs> but he does a pretty good job with it. Um, and we also get a couple of slam pl- poetry readings by the one and only Perd Happily, which <laughs> goes exactly how you would think it would go. Um, and we also get a Leslie talking head uh, with the main takeaway from her talking head being, this is the last task I need to accomplish before I can move forward and take on the bigger questions in my life. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Purge slam poetry may be the best slam poetry I've never heard. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Andy pretty much says he can't tell when it's slam poetry or it's Purge just saying the words. Right, right. Literally, his first one is, this is a slam poem that I wrote, and I am speaking the slam poem to you right now with my mouth. That entire thing I just said, that's the that's slam, the slam poem. poem. Yep. Yeah. He, he may want to revisit that. Yep. Well, Mark, we kick off the main episode of the producer's cut in the bullpen where Andy is having a conniption and Larry has been locked in isolation. Mark, what is going on here? It's, it's crazy craziness. I tells you, well, we start out and we, they, they don't do this often, but it's not unheard of. We see the, a black screen with white lettering that Mm. says flu season two. Yeah. So we're getting that like right in our face. Am I right that we see this a lot more in producers cuts than we do in standard cuts? I'm going to say no. Really? I don't think that is true. Okay. I think that it used to happen more maybe earlier they just in did the series. It more. Okay, that's maybe that's what I'm remembering then. I'm curious now. We'll have to look this up. Yeah. Um so yeah, we we see the 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 title card, the title screen, whatever that says flu season two. So you you know what to expect. Yeah, that's right. And we then cut to city hall where we see Andy in the bullpen on the phone with someone. Hey Harvey, play our first clip, buddy. Thank oh, you. Oh Harvey's here. Today. He's here. Oh, hi Harvey. Hey buddy. Well, I'd have to check, but I'm pretty sure we could handle that. I do have one question. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hold on. Oh my God. Andy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh Andy, are you getting sick? I don't think so. Don't get sick. Take more vitamin C. Copy that. Vitamin C. Is that the Fred one or the Barney one? <laughs> it's flu season again, and I cannot get sick. I have too much work to do. Unfortunately, Pawnee is like a breeding ground for disease due to our poor hygiene uh. habits and mm. raccoon density. It's deeply ingrained in our town's history. We used to crown Miss Influenza every year. The CDC <laughs> called the pageant ethically reprehensible. Yep. Stock up on Kleenex. Don't touch your face. Don't touch anything. People are dropping like flies. We already had to quarantine Larry. Leslie, I don't feel good. Can <laughs> I just work from home? The tent <laughs> is your home now, Larry. We already forwarded your mail. <laughs> oh, well, here's something that's going to make you feel really good. Guess who I just secured as the headliner for the Unity concert? Chip McCaff. No! Yes! No! Wait, no, I don't want to touch your hand. Wow! <laughs> Who's Chip McCaff? Chip McCaff is the most amazing 17-year-old country singer in the entire world. He's like Indiana's sweetheart. We are huge chipmunks. That's what uh, his fans call themselves. I don't know why. Chipmunks. Because the animal? No, that's too simple. Yeah, okay. His latest song, <laughs> Beautiful Like My Mom, parentheses support the troops, oh has like God. two million hits on YouTube. She don't care about no fancy tram. She's just a mom from old South Bend. <laughs> Get home safe, boys, and thank you for protecting our freedom. Let's play it again. <laughs> you know, a, a couple things here that may not have uh, transmitted uh, well the, the, the audio, yeah, because it's yeah, what yeah. you call visual. Visual, yeah. Is when Andy was having his sneezing fit, yes. 
his head was rocking oh my God. back and forth. Like yes. I, I'm surprised that Chris Pratt didn't get whiplash self-caused uh -huh. from, just from that physical motion. He may have. The other thing is, you know, Leslie mentions that they had to quarantine Jerry because he, he was, I think, uh, the first one to he's, fall. He's patient zero. Yeah. yeah. And, and from the flu there. And, and the camera pans over to show us Jerry is in like a, a sealed plastic hazmat see-through green tent marked with like hazardous chemical signs in the words, keep away flu patient. <laughs> Poor Jerry. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like we've seen that tent before. It might've been when they ran the drills, the d emergency preparedness drills. Oh, that could be. But uh, either way, I want one for home. <laughs> well, Mark, meanwhile, in the city manager's office, Tom has recruited a very select team of individuals to help him out at a local vineyard. And soon enough, everyone else has invited themselves along, you know, because alcohol. Uh-huh. Yeah, we now cut to Ben's city manager office, and we initially see what looks like Ben, Ron, April, Donna, and Craig in the middle of some big meeting. And then we, we see Tom walk in, announcing to Donna and April he's ready to take off with them to a local vineyard where he's going to look for a sommelier to hire at Tom's Bistro. Bless you. <laughs> Hearing this, Craig wants to come along because he loves wine and wine-related stuff, having studied botany at Purdue University for three years. Go Boilermakers! Ron wants to come along because there will be alcohol there. Yeah. Nuff said. Nuff said. Ben wants to come along because, well, he's done with his work and maybe it'll be relaxing. Tom warns this group of grandpas. <laughs> Listen, grandpas. That they better not embarrass him when they get there. He goes, how would we embarrass you? He goes, you're doing it already. I begged you. Yep. I thought that was kind of funny, actually. Well, Mark, we now head out to the bullpen where Leslie and Andy are running down the Unity Concert Entertainment schedule, uh, when all of a sudden it seems like Leslie has just been invited to ride the flu train as well. Mm. Keep your hands and feet inside the car at all times. That's right, children. We now cut back to the bullpen where we see Leslie filling out her, it's like one of those big boards and she's got columns representing the days, Yeah. rows representing the hours of the day. And she's like, she's putting in cards it's called a to schedule. show. Is that what that is? Yeah. Is that schedule. Awesome? Schedule. Schedule. Sorry. And, and she's planning out like what all is going to be part of the Unity concert. Yeah. Uh, for Looks like they day. got like four stages. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's pretty impressive. And and so she's filling out her big board and, and, and the latest edition, of course, she's proudly putting a card for Chip McCap as the, as the headliner for Saturday. And we also see to the side of Leslie's big board, a smaller board with also with some cards. And, and the, that, that board is labeled Andy's awesome wish list with such things as the Beatles, uh -huh. Led Zeppelin, Bob Dylan's friends, and, um, and also Land Ho, which is a band local to Pawnee that everybody loved, but the band split up 10 years sure. ago and they're never going to reunite. Never so it's, it's a dead, it's a dead issue. Um, suddenly Jerry, the quarantine sickie announces from his plastic hazmat tent that sadly Chip McCap's manager just called and Chip had to cancel. What? Alarmed at this, Leslie starts to verbalize a plan to correct the situation. Pauses. <clears throat> turns to her right yarfs in the trash can uh-oh uh-oh yeah sounds like she's getting the flu too yeah sure it certainly as does far as we know yeah as far yeah. as we know 
Mark, I was looking at the Unity, her uh, her bulletin board there and all the columns and all the fun stuff. It's just their attention to detail on these things is great. You, you know, they just probably had a blast creating the board. But I, I noticed little fun things like uh, on Andy's wish, awesome wish list. There were other things other than bands like hand jive hour. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy's really like going all in on this. I think he's really stretching the his creative mind to its fullest. I think maybe beyond it. <laughs> maybe it broke maybe it broke you yep. never know well mark at this point we now head west to a vineyard in snurling where tom mm. is on the hunt for his own wine expert or one of them there sommelier things and some of the tagalong gang sign up to chase their lifelong dream of drinking alcohol professionally i i have the same dream mark we can only be so lucky alcohol healing potion That's wine right. it all goes <laughs> Whatever to the same takes, place We've been to Snurling before. We have. I'm 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 drawing a blank actually as to why. It was an ice cream parlor, if I recall, like uh, Andy's Scoops or something like that. Not our Andy, but another Andy. Wow. Um, Chris Traeger was in it. I don't remember the circumstance, but I remember we went to an ice cream parlor in Snurling. Wow. Yeah. I remember there was a place where he and Ron did like like. Yo yoga exercises oh, yeah. or something? Yes. Maybe that's it. I don't it know. It could have been. All right. Anyway, we now cut to the Snurling Valley Winery, where we see Tom, Donna, April, and the grandpas have now arrived. Hey, Harvey, uh, Grandpa, uh, play the clip. Easy. Xander Mamander, Tom Haverford, owner, operator, and global ambassador for Tom's Bistro, opening this spring in Pawnee. It's a pleasure to meet you. Damn, look at that Thai temple. Respect. My main target for Tom's Bistro, Xander Truffaut. He's the best young Sam in the game. I don't say this lightly, he's basically the Bruno Mars of Indiana amateur wine tasting. Hmm. <laughs> if you'll excuse me, I must prepare for the tasting competition. I pour saline water through my nose to clear the mucus from my smell centers. That is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Uh-huh. Oh, man, it costs $200 to get certified. I wanted to make fun of stupid people while I get drunk. My two true passions. You want to futz with these fools? I will bankroll you. Really? Oh, hell yeah, pimp. Sounds like fun. Thank you. April Ludgate, professional drinker. <laughs> uh, where did you study, Ms. Ludgate? The Wine Academy. The Wine Academy? In Bordeaux? Yes. Carol. Make sure she's in group A. Oh, excuse me, I want in too. I know I don't look the part, but I know everything about wine and I will prove it. My name is Craig Middlebrooks and this is my debit rewards card. <laughs> I hope he gets some good points back on that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So it looks like uh, Craig and April are wanting in on the fun, but as we alluded to before, for probably for different reasons. Yes. You're right. Yeah, I feel like April might have alternative measure, or alternative uh, things in mind here. Right. But I think Craig is serious. Like he's uh, he wants to prove his value as a sommelier. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, interesting. Well, meanwhile, over in the vineyard gift shop, Ben gets an upsetting phone call, and we learn about Ron's rules for what does and does not make a good vintage of wine. Yeah, over near the gift shop, we see the camera kind of pan over, and Ben's on the phone with his father. Uh, clearly upset about something. 
Well, Ben hangs up, and despite Ron urging him to not discuss it with me, uh, <laughs> Ben tells Ron how his father sold their family vacation house without telling the rest of them, and how he received this check out of the blue with his share of the profits, and how upset he is. Ron quickly suggests they start drinking, and they turn to a young lady offering blueberry wine, which Ron doesn't trust at first, well, no. but it does have a very large alcohol content, and at this, Ron insists they get four bottles, please and thank you. <laughs> I found it weird that Ben's getting his mail at the winery, but whatever. <laughs> Who am I to question plot? Eh, yeah, you know. Things happen. I don't know. Maybe he hangs out there a lot. He could. You never know. Apparently, you can walk to Snurling. We find that out. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can walk to Snurling. You can apparently walk back. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in Pawnee, Andy and Leslie plan a road trip as damage control for the main stage and also find time to take a quick detour to a pharmacy to buy Leslie the time she needs to get the job done. Yeah, we now cut back to City Hall where we see Leslie and Andy in the bullpen and they're talking about next steps. Between bouts of nausea, mm -hmm. Leslie tells Andy they need to go to Chip McCap's studio in Indianapolis so they can convince him to do the Unity concert. Andy is a bit concerned about Leslie, but she insists, look, I've had the flu before, which we remember, and she can power through it. On the way to Indianapolis, however, we see Leslie and Andy stop off at Good Neighbor Pharmacy. And while Andy walks up and down the candy aisle, Leslie goes to the pharmacist and asks for some strong flu medicine. Looking at Leslie, the pharmacist suggests that Leslie is not showing any obvious signs of flu and wonders if it could be something else. And just then, Leslie looks over and sees a display case full of pregnancy tests. She walks over, picks one up, and looks at it, kind of contemplating. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I love how she described to the pharmacist the type of medicine she needs because tonight is so important. She said she needs the Mariah needs to sing tonight stuff. <laughs> that was great. You know, you know what the what part of it I loved is when you know Andy is like the typical bored kid, like. Yeah. I don't know. While you're at the pharmacy, I guess I'll just walk down the candy aisle and not get anything. Yeah. So he's already and Leslie like, goes. You can buy two. And he, two? And he like freaks out. He's so excited he can have two. And did you see what one of them was yeah. at the end? He brings back a big, it's, huge bear. It's shaped like a gummy bear. Yeah. But inside are thousands of gummy bears. He says, this counts as one. <laughs> it reminded me of, speaking of uh, Chris Traeger, when they went to the health food store and Andy was like sampling from the aisle. Oh, you yeah. You know, all the uh, cereals and grains oh, and yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That also didn't go that well. No. That's how you get the flu. That is how you get the flu. Very good. Yes. That way to bring it home, Mark. <laughs> well, while preparations begin for the taste testing, Ben and Ron find an exterior view to help them truly appreciate 3,000 milliliters of blueberry wine. Mm, mm. It's a lot of wine. Yeah, it is. We now cut back to the Snurling Valley Winery, uh, where we see Ben and Ron now walking outside through the actual vineyard. Hey, Harvey, play the clip, man. Hey, Ron, can I just vent for a sec? You may vent for as long as it takes me to drink this bottle of wine. Okay, I'm so mad at my parents. Here he goes. I mean, they both wanted the house for Columbus Day weekend, and they fought so much as they decided to just sell Still it, going. despite each other. Uh, which, I mean, think and about how... stop talking. 
you know, you are a wonderful guy, and I admire many things about you, but you're a <laughs> terrible person to discuss personal problems with. Thank you, friend. <laughs> that really means a lot to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think he has a problem with that. No, I think he actually prefers it he that He kind of takes pride in his. I think he was fact. a little touched. He is. Yeah. Well, back inside the vineyard, the tasting evaluations get underway, and we get hints of everything from seasonal fruits and vegetables to things that I don't even want to think about, let alone discuss. Yes, we're still at the Snurling Valley Winery, but we now cut back inside, and we see the sommelier certifications have started. And we see jump cuts, essentially, of Xander and Craig and April uh, sampling wine and giving their opinions to the judges. And uh, so I, if you have this uh, via DVD or streaming service, watch yeah. this scene. It's very, very funny. Uh, but here's the takeaway. Xander is, as you might expect, charming and professional and clearly very knowledgeable about wine. Craig actually surprises us, clearly mm. knowing a lot about wine mm -hmm. as well, but struggles to keep his uh, inner crazy Craig <laughs> under wraps when giving his opinions to the judges. <laughs> April clearly knows nothing about mm. wine, doesn't care about wine, doesn't care about the judges, and is just there to screw with them any way she can. Great. Totally worth the 200 bucks. Like, I, I'll give you an example. Yeah. You know, Xander. Uh, this is an old world wine, Italian, uh, Servitio Don Classic, blah, 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 you know, whatever he says, <laughs> yeah, he's right. French. And then, uh, you know, Craig says the same thing, but then yells at him at the uh -huh. end because he's nuts. And then April's like, hmm, this comes from your mother's, mother's butt. butt, possibly your father's butt. <laughs> I mean, she left it open, you know, me either. Well, and then she goes, oh, wait, I'm sorry. This no, is very right. embarrassing. I'm a professional. This is very yeah. embarrassing. Let me correct myself. This yeah. actually comes from John McEnroe's butt from the year 3055. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not only John McEnroe, it's a time traveling. It's a John time traveling McEnroe. bottle of wine. That's amazing. It must taste amazing. Yup. Yeah. Does it age in reverse? I don't know. Uh, uh oh my God. I didn't even think about that. I know that. it blows your mind. So you're just drinking it? a bottle yeah. of grapes. What is a what is a group of Somaliers? Is it are they Somali? Like what's a plural of that? Um, it's a bitter of a, Somaliers. It's a bitter. It's been a while since we've had the slow clap, so but I think that deserved it. Yeah. Well, Leslie and Andy arrive at Chip's studio in the greater metropolitan Indianapolis area while they wait on Mr. Class Act himself. Leslie takes a minute to catch up with Ben, who is several hundred milliliters into Ron's four pack. Yes, uh, we now cut back to Leslie and Andy, who have now arrived at Chip McCap Studios in Indianapolis. And we see Leslie come out of the bathroom. She's holding a pregnancy test. She glances at it, smiles, then closes the door, comes out, meets with Andy. Andy tells Leslie that Chip will be able to meet with him in just a minute. Uh, and while they're waiting, Andy continues his important busy work of making all the coffee pods that they have there <laughs> with the sugar and the creamer and the stuff. Uh, well, Leslie decides to, while they're waiting, duck outside to give Ben a call. We then cut back to Snurling Valley Winery just a few seconds later, where we see an increasingly drunk Ben continuing oh to walk with Ron through a vineyard, continuing to vent to him about his parents. Right through his blue teeth, he's venting. Oh my gosh. Suddenly, Ben's cell phone rings. Ben answers, and it's Leslie. Um, nope. 
unfortunately, between Ben's intoxication and Leslie's awkwardness, the conversation flounders hopelessly, culminating in Ben fumbling his phone into a deep puddle, <laughs> dropping the call and making his phone go dead. Ben turns to Ron, tells him Leslie sounded weird, he doesn't want to wait for Tom, he wants to walk home now. Ron decides to join him, partially because he's always game for a sure, brisk walk, but always. also because he's thinking, he's pretty certain, if he leaves Ben alone at this point, he will die. He will be dead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I um, <laughs> Leslie asks him, because she can't understand him, right? Even before he drops the phone and says, are you having a stroke? And he says, <laughs> just saying to Ron that my dog's Jewish. <laughs> It's so random. It just made me laugh. Oh, because like, it's, it's what they stop. said earlier. Did, no, what? Yeah, because he, he said, the first thing we see when Ben's walking with Ron, Ben says, my parents make me so oh, mad right. sometimes. Just like the time they couldn't decide who gets oh. the dog, so they just lopped it, dropped it off at the local synagogue. And I was like, what? Uh. what say what? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then Leslie called him and, oh, uh, hi, Leslie, my teeth are blue, blueberries are alcohol, and my dog's Jewish. Like, oh, my God. Oh, boy. Dude. Yeah, I think he's enjoying the wine. Yeah. It's working. Tastes like jelly. Well, back inside the vineyard, Tom meets the competition for his pick of wine experts, and apparently French restaurateurs are all over the southern Indiana wine scene, Mark. Well, that'll happen. Go figure. Yeah. We cut back to the inside of Snurling Valley Winery, where we see Tom scoping out a newcomer, as you mentioned, that is apparently trying to schmooze Xander. Mm. Harvey, play the schmoozy clip, please. Who's that guy making moves on Xander? I don't know, but he's real fancy. He's speaking French. You know I picked up a little French-Canadian when I dated that Montreal Expo. <laughs> oh, Mr. Haverford, allow me to introduce... Terence Montreux. He is a restaurateur like yourself. You own a restaurant too? No, monsieur. I own 12. I am here to find the best sommelier as soon as they are, uh, how you say, um, certified. That's my idea. That is everyone's idea. That is why we have this, uh, how you say, uh, thing. Okay, don't act like you don't know the word thing. <laughs> With a filet mignon, I'd recommend a red, something bold and dry, like David Sedaris. Perhaps you could recommend a Riesling instead. Not if you're eating steak, you loon. You know in the movies when the cops show up and find lipstick on a wine glass next to a dead body, this is that wine. Mm. Well, I've always wondered what wine they were drinking next to the dead body. It seems like April is keeping true to her, her, mm. her goal. She's really... I think she, of, of everyone, she's having the most fun. Oh. For certain. She has to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, back at the McCap Studios, Leslie and Andy get a chance to see what Chip is all about and do their best to rebook him to the main stage. After all, why settle for turkey when you can have ham? Well, work? let me tell you. Yeah. We now cut back to Chip McCap Studios in Indianapolis, where we see Leslie and Andy walking into the back to meet Chip. I think he's practicing his song, blah, blah, blah. And they tell him that they're huge fans. And I'll say at first, Chip seems nice enough, you know, sure. but then they see him treating his dad kind of mean when he asks mm -hmm. for some lunch. Um, and Andy asks Chip if he'll reconsider uh, doing the Unity concert. And Chip says, oh, I'm sorry. No, mm, I can't. Oh, bummer. Mm. Mm. And uh, Chip's dad 
sheepishly brings him lunch, which Chip doesn't like no. on account of it's turkey instead of ham. Yeah. And throws the lunch at his dad, blap, and tells him to pick it up. <laughs> and Leslie and Andy, like, look at each other, and they're like, he's awful. He's a monster. Like, you, I mean, it sucks they don't have ham, but you, you don't treat your dad like that. And they realize, though, unfortunately, they're up against the wall. And like, ah, we, we need him. We need him for the unity. Concept. What are you going to do? Like, yeah. What are you going to do? And I don't think Chip's being unreasonable. I mean, all he's asking his dad to do is anticipate his needs. <laughs> I'm anticipating Chip. Oh my God. Finger guns. Uh, well, back in Snurling, the decision is in and we will now learn who will win the prestigious piece of paper. And we all know April is, she's going to win this thing hands down. Clearly. She is a shoe in. Shoe in. We cut back to Snurling Valley Winery where we see head judge, Ryan let go. I love that. Love it. Yeah, Ryan let go there. He goes up to the microphone and, and Judge Ryan let go. He's about to announce the one person who is worthy of a sommelier certificate. After a brief interruption by April, who immediately stands up and accepts the award yeah, on it. behalf of herself and is then escorted out by security after she thanks all the clumps and everything. Yes. A lot of people that Eddie Murphy played. Well, sure, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, once April is escorted out, Judge Reinletgo continues and congratulates the certificate recipient, Xander Trufant. Xander walks up to receive his certificate, and we see Craig actually looking, I think, a little disappointed. Mm -hmm. Trying to get to Xander before Terrence does, Tom has Donna spill some wine on him, quote, accidentally. And, and she then escorts. That escort old trick. Yeah, womp, womp. I see that on Tom and Jerry. Uh, and then uh, uh, then she escorts uh, Terrence away to help kind of clean him up. And while he's getting cleaned up, Tom walks up to Xander, offers him a job at Tom's Bistro. Xander is very polite and thanks him, but but he refuses, telling him he's already accepted an offer from Terrence, paying way more than Tom could ever afford to pay him. Ugh, poor Tom. Well, Tom says he will pay him double whatever Terrence is. And he says, you'll pay me $500,000 a year? I will pay you a One tenth, tenth. A tenth of what he's paying you. Wow. Poor guy. Yeah. That's uh, pretty unaffordable. Yeah. Well, later in the evening, Ben and Ron are on the road back to Pawnee, which apparently is walkable from Snurling, as we said before, Mark. And, well, one uh, way. Well, one way, yeah. I don't know about the other way. And it must be near Eagleton because along the way, they encounter a long-lost spirit guide and former co-worker of Craig's. <sighs> Mother. Beep. We, we now cut to Ben and Ron walking towards home on a backcountry road <laughs> somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> An extremely drunk Ben is guzzling the last of the wine, looks at the empty bottle, hurt a little bit like he's disappointed that the wine all gone now yeah wine go bye-bye and then out of nowhere who should emerge from the forest but ron dunn surprised at ron dunn's sudden presence and after ron curses oh he does surprise ben hears the rons exchange stiff greetings with each other and asks if they know each other and ron our ron you know the real ron <laughs> tells Ben that Ron Dunn was his counterpart from the Eagleton Parks Department. And between his intoxication and his confusion as to whether Ron Dunn is a ghost, Ben freaks out a little bit. <laughs> he says, are you a ghost? And Ron, of course, says, am I? <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> you know what? I never realized 
I mean, story-wise, yeah. I, don't, I didn't realize that Ben had never actually met Ron Dunn. So I had the same thought. Like, it didn't I think they're right. Me. Yeah. Like, but just barely. So where was Ben when the Eagleton merger happened? Uh, he was doing Ben stuff. <laughs> oh, Ben stuff. Well, that explains it all. Yeah. He wasn't in D.C. at that time, was he? No, that was way before. You know, Alan, when I think about it, I think that in season six, episode four, Doppelgangers, I think that's where we got introduced to like Tinnifer and Ron right. Dunn yeah. and Craig. Yeah. Um, I think that Ben and Chris were slashing the Eagleton budget. So they were actually uh, like yeah, they yeah. were there, but they were in another part of City Hall and they yeah. were focused on other people. So yeah. I don't think they were they, having so much fun slashing budgets. Right. Playing auditing bros. I don't think yeah. either Ben or Chris met Ron Dunn. All right. I was pretty convinced it was when Ben had been fired and wasn't there, but all right. I, I buy that. Yep. There you All go. Right. There you go. There you go. See, that's one less thing the interns get to do now. So yeah. Well, they look kind of disappointed. They're busy. At least that one does. <laughs> that's just his face. That's just his face. Very nice. Well, back in the studio, the negotiation takes a turn for the worst, and we learn where Leslie's limit lies. And Andy apparently does not know how to pee properly. Poor guy. Like this poor guy. It's harder than you'd think. All right, Apparently. we cut back to Chip McCap Studios in Indianapolis, where Leslie and Andy are still trying to convince Chip to do the Unity concert. Gingerly asking for permission to speak, Chip's dad makes the point, Pawnee's kind of the gateway to the whole region, and mm. they do buy a lot of his albums. Well, after calling them a bunch of dirty hicks, because <laughs> they don't buy toothpaste. No, no. Chip wonders if maybe he could fly in and out the same day so he wouldn't, you know, have to spend a night in their crap town. Wow. Getting a little fed up with his attitude, Leslie calls him out. And Chip responds by pointing out, I can do whatever I want, punctuating that sentiment by shooting his dad with a paintball gun. Wow. Having had enough, Leslie tells him off, storms out with Andy. We then flash forward a little bit, I think, like they're on the road back. Yep. And Leslie and Andy are now in a nondescript diner somewhere on the road back to Pawnee. And we can see that while Andy is impressed with what Leslie did, Leslie is upset and kind of frazzled for multiple reasons. Hey, Harvey, play the clip, buddy. Thank you. You know what? That was awesome. You were great. I thought you were going to punch that kid's lights out. It was not awesome. I lost our headliner. I can't stop throwing up, and Ben has not called me back yet. I'm sorry I'm so frazzled. There's just a lot of things going on right now, personal things that I can't talk to you about. You know, Leslie, sometimes life throws us crazy curves. And yes, this moment may be the biggest curve you've ever had to deal with. But just because your family is getting bigger does not mean that you can't handle it. You and Ben can handle anything. Yeah. Wow. Andy, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear right now. God, it's so weird that you know that I'm pregnant before Ben does. Pregnant? <laughs> Holy crap, Leslie. Yeah, well, what did you think? I thought you were getting a dog. <laughs> well, why did you go like this? That's a sign for petting a dog that's sitting on your lap. Yeah. Pregnant? Wow. Oh, that's amazing. You know, Andy, I think we need to focus on the fact that we have lost our headliner. We are out of options. It's time for a Hail Mary. Scott Tanner, the lead singer of Land Ho, he lives in Pawnee, right? I love him. I'm sure he knows Bob Dylan, but I don't know if they're friends. No, what if we go to him and beg him to reunite Land Ho for one night only? Let's do it. Waitress, you mind boxing all this up, please? 
Put it in a doggy bag. <laughs> She's getting a dog. <laughs> oh, sweet, stupid Andy. He is sweet, stupid Andy. At his best, really. He he was so close to having a really nice moment I know. there. I know. I'm like, wow, he is he's intuitive. lucid. He's oh wise. My God. He's one astute son of a bitch. And but just no, just when so he much. thought he was gonna zig, he zagged. Oh my god. And I think he still mm. thinks Leslie's getting a dog. Oh yeah, he's pretty convinced. <laughs> he's probably already imagining what the dog's gonna look like and what he'll help her name it. I think you're right. Yeah, he's all in. And how many legs the dog is going to have? I maybe four. I mean, look, anything's possible. <laughs> anything's possible. Well, we now catch up with Ben and Ron and Ron, and and try to get at the heart of what's eating away at Ben. Well, let's see. We now cut to a campfire somewhere in the wilderness, <laughs> where we see Ben, Ron, and Ron Dunn sitting and talking. When Ben tells Ron Dunn that, you know, regular Ron isn't helping him with something that he's angry about, Ron Dunn encourages him to say, what's eating you? What's got your goat, friend? And Ben explains about the Finley Lake House and how his parents sold it without telling him that he doesn't understand and he he's disres feels disrespected and he's upset and blah, blah, blah. And Ron Dunn listens and suggests the three of them do some role playing to help Ben out. Ron is not happy. <laughs> No, I think uh, it just isn't Ron's jam. No. It's Ron Swanson's jam. No, yeah. not at all. Now, hippie Ron, maybe. I mean, the only thing that makes Ron fit in at all is, is in the role-playing Ron Dunn suggests, and Ron, you take the role of Ben's anger. And oh then ben, Ron just kind of stares back at him. <laughs> Perfecto. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. It's good. Well, back at the Parks Department, Tom sulks and Craig realizes that no one has been picking up on what he's been putting down and makes his case more directly. We now cut to City Hall, where we see Tom, Donna, April, and Craig in the bullpen, having returned from their visit at the Snurling Valley Winery. Observing that Craig is noticeably upset, even for him, Donna finally asks him what's up. And Craig tells them straight out, he wants the job at Tom's Bistro, and he's been trying to impress them for the last five freaking hours. Realizing this, Tom turns to Craig and says, yeah, you know what? You do know your stuff, but you're like a crazy freaking volcano, and if you want to work for me, you need to prove you can bring it down a few notches. <laughs> oh, I'll bring it down a thousand notches! Yeah. Holy like crap. I think you may be missing the point, You may Craig. be missing the yeah, point. Yeah. Well, back in Pawnee, Andy and Leslie make one last stop before giving up hopes on a major headliner. And Andy finally gets recognized as Duke Silver. Uh, I mean, Johnny Karate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I never saw them both in the same room. I don't know. Good point. I don't know. You we don't, don't know. We do not no, know no for certain. No one knows anything. That's right. Let's just go home. Can't prove it. So, per the plan that they put together at the diner... We now see Leslie and Andy approaching the home of Scott Tanner, former sing former lead singer of Land Ho. Andy knocks, and Scott Tanner opens the door, just as Leslie yarfs to the side <laughs> of the house. Slightly starstruck, Andy introduces himself and Leslie, the Puking yarfing lady. lady, and tells Scott they want to try and convince him to reunite Land Ho for the Unity concert. Scott tells them he appreciates them and that it means a lot when he meets people that love the band, but politely tells them, no, it, it ain't happening. However, Leslie and Andy persist, and Scott is nice enough to let them come in and plead their case. 
Hey, Harvey, play the rest of this clip, please. Thanks, buddy. This looks like it's going to be a great concert. The band just does not play anymore. Well, I understand. <coughs> Excuse oh. me. Um, <laughs> sorry. My stomach is trying to murder me. Still drunk from last night? I've been there. You know, this town still loves you. I'm in a band myself, actually. Mouse Rat, and we cover about five of your songs, and they just go nuts. Really? Which ones? Catapult me into the sun, and I burn, baby, burn. Oh, uh, yeah. Johnny Karate? I thought you said your name was Andy. All right, well, it is. I'm also, I'm also a children's performer. He planned Joey's birthday, and he's awesome. Sing Karate Chop Master. I'll do it, as long as your dad sings along. Let's do it. It's Aww. easy. You'll pick it up. Karate chop master, I'm a karate chop master, and I will karate chop you. Chop, 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 kick, 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 chop. Scott, you sing. Chop, chop, kick, 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 chop. No. Just listen to me. Chop and a chop and a kick, 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 chop and a strike the throat and chop a kick, chop. Now you turn. Chop, chop, kick, kick, chop harmonies. Oh my God. Chop, chop, kick, kick, chop, kick, 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 and a chop and a chop and a chicken and yo. No, you didn't. I mean, just just listen. Oh my God, he's such a perfectionist. He, he really Karate is. chop master. Yeah, like he, no he's, Scott Tanner. He's a perfectionist for everyone but himself. Oh, been there, done that. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's like drunk the next morning. Yeah, I mean, some one of my friends. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I felt we bad for him. Yeah, talk about it. Yeah. Well, back at the bullpen, Craig earns his shot and Tom realizes that he is going to need another tradesman to tweak the wine cellar at Tom's Bistro. We now cut back to City Hall, where Tom is giving Craig a chance to prove himself. He, Donna, and April are pretending to be customers and are presenting their sommelier, Craig, with some requests that, let's say, are designed to test him. All right. Harvey, play the clip, buddy. Good evening. May I assist you with a wine tonight? Yeah, I'm having fish, so maybe a full-bodied red? <laughs> you know, sir, you might want to consider something white to go with your fish. No. Red. And bring some ice cubes. I like ice cubes in my red wine. Mm. I'll have a glass of your most expensive red wine mixed with a glass of your cheapest white wine served in a dog bowl. Silly straws all around, please. I'll be right back with my recommendations. Seems to be keeping it together. What kind of monster <laughs> orders red with fish? I know they're messing with me and it's just a test, but have some decency! Can you hear everything people say in that conference room? I've been taking what I thought were private phone uh -oh. calls. I've heard everything. I know all about the car dealership in Tampa. Uh-oh. If you tell anyone. Okay. For you, sir, a light crispino with just a hint of lemon to bring out the flavors in your fish. Hmm. I brought you a bold Cabernet, which should still taste okay when watered down. And for you, madam, uh, would you consider this rosé? It's halfway between red and white. Thanks very much. Enjoy. Mm. Think I may have found my new sommelier? That was so embarrassing! I'll have to make sure the wine cellar at Tom's Bistro is soundproof. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My God. <laughs> I mean, to give him credit. Yeah. He did hold it together he in, in, quote, public. In public, It's yes. just that the not public part wasn't soundproof. No, he, they really will need to make sure that wine cellar is soundproof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we finally wrap up at the campfire with Ben and the Rons, and we learn what Ben's Patronus, I mean, spirit animal is. No, you had it right. Yeah. Yeah, we now cut back to uh, 
somewhere in the wilderness, sure. I don't know, where Ben, Ron, and Ron Dunn are still sitting around the campfire with Ben now chanting something. Hey, 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 and then Ron is Ron's clearly still is still irritated at all this. He's just he thinks all this is ridiculous. Yeah, silliness. Um Ron Dunn then tells Ben to stare into the fire and picture his spirit animal, which Ben doesn't know his Patronus. Uh, but Ron Dunn looks at him, pauses, and declares, Baby Snow Owl. And then demonstrates our connection to the natural world by standing up, stretching out his arms, and out of nowhere, Falcon lands right on his arm. That's amazing. <laughs> Having captured Ben's attention with the Falcon, you know, uh, Ron Dunn urges Ben to cleanse himself of his anger by putting the check from his father into the fire. Although Ron protests mm. do not burn that it is money. money ben does so and then goes over and hugs ron dunn ron predictably looks irritated and disgusted uh, totally predictably yeah when ron dunn tells uh reveals to ben that his spirit animal is the baby snow owl and ben goes he's right he's right he is oh, so man. drunk so drunk oh well and you know maybe he nailed it yeah so. Well, we now kick off our three-part kicker in the bullpen, and Andy gives Leslie some parting advice on pet care. Yeah. We now cut back to City Hall, where Leslie is in the bullpen, and she's once again at her big board. Except now, she's putting a card for Land Ho as the headliner for the Unity concert, and taking Chip McCap's card, throwing it in the garbage. Good. See ya. Uh, Andy then confirms that Scott Tanner posted to the band's old website and confirmed Land Ho is playing the Unity concert and tickets are selling like hotcakes now. And then we have a very sweet moment where Leslie tells Andy, you know what, you really saved the day, thank you. And, and Andy tells Leslie, I've got your back. It's a very sweet moment and they, 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 they finally prepare to go home, and the sweet moment is broken by Andy giving Leslie, Leslie some unsolicited advice regarding her new dog. <laughs> oh, sweet, stupid Andy. You still don't get it. Nope. He was so close to getting it. He was close. And then he just it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in part two and three of our kicker, Mark, Hippie Ron drops off Ben and uh, Swanson Ron. Right. And Ben finally has the revelation that has been eluding him his entire evening. Assisted, of course, by Ron, although not the one you're expecting. Yeah, yeah. We now cut to the street in front of Leslie and Ben's house, where we see a tiny, environmentally friendly car pull up, <laughs> containing Ben and Ron, with Ron Dunn at the wheel. Hey, Harvey, play us out, sir. Thank you. This is him right here. I'll also get out here and walk home. You sure? This thing runs on vegetable oil and bat guano. <laughs> Actually cleans the air as it drives. Quite sure, thank you. Hey. Thank you for helping me with my anger. Brother, the greatest journey you'll ever know is this one we call life. You already emerged from your cocoon. Now the question is, will you fly? Yeah, I don't feel any better. I'm still angry. Damn it. I don't know why this lake house thing is driving me so crazy. I'm sorry we couldn't help you work through your problems. Now, if you'll excuse me, I got a lady, two little girls, and an infant waiting for me. 
It's always nice to see the kids at the end of a long day. Really puts things in perspective. Oh my God, Ben, I have so much to tell you. We got Land Ho to play the Unity concert. Whoa, what happened to you? It doesn't matter. I thought I was upset because my parents are insane, but Ron kind of just showed me the real reason. I have so many childhood memories at that lake house that in the back of my mind, I always pictured taking my kids or taking our kids there. I want to start our family. I mean, I know things are crazy, but th there's no good time. And I want to do it now. Well, buddy, I got some good news for you. <laughs> Fade to black. There you go. Yep. Special credit sequence at the end, too. Yep. Which is unusual. Has the, the original uh, theme song, which is 30 seconds long, I yeah, think. It's like yeah. the full theme song. The yep. Full version. Yes. Well, nice job on the breakdown there, Mark. And uh, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. I want to take a quick, uh, maybe, you know, facilities break. Mm -hmm. This is a long producer's cut, you know. Yeah. And then we'll come back and finish this thing up. Yeah. Good idea. Capital ideal sport. Capital idea. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Do you like to eat? Are you cultured? Do you have a fondness for all things French? If you answered yes to either of the last two questions, I would normally walk away at this point. But like you, I do enjoy eating. So it is with an open mind and empty stomach that I invite you to venture down to Greater Pawnee and give Cheche LaRue a try. Hello, this is Ron Swanson, proudly announcing themselves as Pawnee's finest French restaurant. Cheche LaRue has many food offerings, depending on your definition of food. Here is a quick rundown of some of their more popular menu items. Aperitif, an alcoholic drink before the meal, often a wine of some sort. They have the right idea, although I will note a disturbing lack of Lagavulin. Hors d'oeuvres, a snack before the main meal, typically soup, vegetable, or eggs. Again, right idea, questionable implementation. I personally opt to skip this unless said eggs come sunny side up and with bacon. Quiche. A French tart filled with eggs, cream, cheese, meats, and even fresh vegetables. Ugh. They had me, then they lost me. Crepe. A very thin, delicate pancake. Okay, I have to ask, why? Cacavin. Chicken braised with wine, mushrooms, and garlic. A reasonably tasty bird. Not bad. Duck confit. A slightly snooty bird cooked slowly over a long period. I'd personally rather shoot at them than eat them. Quail, an even more snooty bird that I have no time for and is too small for a meal anyway. Beef bourguignon. Alright, this one is actually pretty good. Salmon. Ugh. Just as I started to warm up to this place, they introduced this almost vegetable as a main course. They claim the salmon is the star. Well, like other stars, such as the ones in the sky, it belongs far away from me and not on my plate. And finally, hamburger, also known as hamburger. Now we're talking. Vegetable fish and silly menu names can now be forgiven. When you visit Cheche LaRue, be sure to ask about the new dish they implemented at my request, the beef bourguignon. 
which is essentially unlimited helpings of the aforementioned beef bourguignon, minus the bourguignon. Mmm. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, let's talk about deleted scenes. I set aside like maybe eight, nine minutes to talk about deleted scenes today. Uh, we had zero. You had so, zero. Yeah. And zero. we're done. Yep. Yeah. So again, this is not the first time we've had a producer's cut and no deleted scenes. Well, I, I want to say that's actually the norm that very, very, very seldom will we have a producer's cut. And then on top of the producer's yeah, cut, I think have deleted right. scenes. And if we did, it had to be early before season four, for sure. Maybe right. season two and three. Yeah, I think yep, you're right. I agree with that. Well, hey, um, let's get into the tropes first and fun facts then. All right, let's do that. Uh, I have first, uh, we learn that Craig will learn it, will work at Tom's Bistro. Yep. Uh, we learn that Land Ho will headline at the Unity concert. Yep. We learn that Leslie and Ben will have progeny. Yep. And we learn that Ben's spirit animal is baby Snow Owl, <laughs> which I don't know if that's a real one, but I want to count right. it. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Um, yeah. I, I, so I, I, the only one I had in addition to that was, is a, we learned of Craig's love of wine. That That's like a thing. For oh, him. that, that's a good and, one. I mean, it's pretty, you know, but, uh, him working at Tom's Bistro is also equally important. So, yep. yeah. I guess he's employee number two, officially. That's right. Yeah, there you have it. How about uh, tropes or fun facts? Uh, any of those? I know you got some tropes. I do have some tropes. Um, sweet, stupid Andy, big time. Yeah. Um, I also had one that I called ALL, Andy's loyal to Leslie. Oh, I like that. Which I'm going to say more about later. Okay. Um, PBJ, Punching Bag Jerry. Yep. Um, and then Jerry, Gary, Larry, because they call him Larry. Of and course. I always have to include that. I also said punching bag Ben because Ron ridicules him a little bit just for what he's trying to do, yeah. like as a normal That's guy. Um, I also said manic Ben, which can take various forms. Mm -hmm. It can take the form of him being drunk. It can take the mm -hmm. form of him being on painkillers like he was in Partridge. Yeah. It can take the form of him just being really, really freaked out and nervous. <laughs> but he is at his funniest, I think, he really when, he's, is. when he's what I'm calling manic. Yeah. Um, uh, Biggie, Ben doesn't get it, yeah. which I think I put down because he didn't understand why Ron didn't want to talk. He didn't understand why his dad sold the, the, the vacation home. I think home. qualifies. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Tom the Mogul. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I've added one to TCOPG. Tom calls old people grandpas. <laughs> it's true. Because this isn't before. the first time. No, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah. Um, Craig is crazy. Craig is crazy. Yep. Um, R H R D. Ron hates Ron Dunn. I love it. Uh, R L S. Ron loves silence. Yes. Um, mugs to the camera. Yeah. There's quite a few in this one, and fun with names. No, oh, those are all good. How about you? I only had a few others. Uh, I had uh, you know we've got R L L before. Ron loves Lagavulin. But yes. In this case, I said R L B W. <laughs> Ron loves blueberry wine. So. There you go. He likes it when it's in Ben's mouth to block the words coming out. That's pretty much it. Yes. Yeah. And it's 37% alcohol, apparently. <laughs> so um, I had uh, the return of Johnny Karate. You know, kind of we've had characters. Oh, as that's tropes, right. right. Alter egos. Yeah, alter egos. Um, I said Andy loves candy. 
which we've seen him love candy before or yeah. snacks. You yeah. know, insert your favorite food here for sure. A little bit like food-driven Ron in a way. Mm. Um, and um, Andy is gross. I, I thought that was a good one. Apropos. <laughs> Oh, April's macabre. I mean, like just yeah. her, you know, her description of the uh, intonations of the wine, Ugh. you know, yeah. a little disturbing at times. Dried pl- so. pigeon's blood. Or, or Robin's blood. Yeah, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Whatever Sorry. it takes. My, my palate isn't as sensitive Pick as yours, your clearly. bird and it's blood and mm. it still doesn't work. Mm. Yeah. So, hey, um, how about uh, goofs or fun facts? Any of those this week? I didn't have any goofs. Um, did you? No, I had no goofs this week. I only saw one fun fact, and I honestly, th- this is listed on the internet, and I could not confirm this. I don't All know right. if it's because the we don't we can't afford good pixelation no, here no, at LFP Worldwide we, Headquarters. We get part of the pixels, not all of them. But one of the the supposed fun facts I got from the internets uh, is that when Ron and Ben are walking through the vineyard, there are signs on wooden posts, and on them are the names of various crew members. That's pretty cool. That is cool if that's true. I have to check that out. Yeah. If you've got Peacock, uh, they do have the producer's cut on there. And uh, I know you can get that in the uh, the Ultra HD there. You probably mm. get enough resolution, get the extra pixels that we can't afford here. And yeah, we can't afford it. That's true. Yeah, that's right. I yeah, like it. You have to write in. That's right. Um, I'd not have anything in addition to that. And uh, that trope I started, or the, the category I added last week, you know, uh, sign of the times, things aging oh, badly. Yeah. I don't got any. So, I'm like, this is strong for week two. Uh, Bruno nothing. Mars. Bruno Mars, although he's still kind of out there. There are older references he could have made for sure. Yeah. And he often yeah, that, does. That's, that, yeah, that's probably Like, true. especially like when he was DJ. Like, th- like people don't know who most of those people are anymore. I'm sorry. DJ Robodrop. That's right. <laughs> so how about, uh, well, you know what, Mark? That's it. Let's what? get into the scores. All right. Sorry. All right. Uh... Mark score incoming. All right. Uh, I have co-MVPs, so take that. My co-MVPs for this episode are Adam Scott as Mr. Ben Wyatt, mm-hmm. Mr. Blue Teeth, mm-hmm. and Chris Pratt as Andy Dwyer. Oh, okay. So at the start or near the start of the episode, we got the title screen, right? Flu yeah. season two. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, it's kind of odd that this su- sequel, I'm holding up air quotes, sure, sequel sure. to one of the what I would say one of the best episodes sure. of all time Definitely. flu season yeah. had virtually nothing to do with the flu. Yeah. Like in most other circumstances, this, this would have worried me. Mm. However, this episode was chock-a-block full of great jokes and great mm-hmm. gags and, and, and everybody was used and on fire and like, not to mention great guest stars yes. that, that weren't needed, but were just the icing on the cake. Yeah. Oh, and the big reveal, yeah. Leslie's pregnant. pregnant. Hello. Yeah. Now, my co-MVP number one, Adam Scott. Yeah. Freaking brilliant. Like, not only one of the best straight men of all time, of all but time. crazy funny on his own. Yeah. Ben's Bluetooth drunkenness in this episode rivaled, and I'm going to say even surpassed his painkiller antics back in season five, episode 17, Partridge. Yeah. It very much reminded oh, yeah. me of that. yeah. In fact, I'll go as far as to say this. Like, look, it's not really a secret. Everybody knows I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Ron Swanson well, fanboy. Sure. I have a man that. crush, right? And, and here's the thing. Ron Swanson was good in this episode. But the exchanges between Ben and Ron Dunn were so good, <laughs> they made me forget Ron was there. Very good. That's 
pretty freaking good. It's pretty good. Um, now, co-MVP number two for me. Sweet, stupid Andy was so funny and so endearing, it's almost ridiculous. Like, he had so... Because sometimes sweet, stupid Andy can be sweet, stupid Andy, but not, like, add that much. Yeah. I felt like he did here. I think he did. He had so many perfectly executed gags in this episode, from from trying to teach Scott Tanner the Karate Chop Master <laughs> song and getting yeah, frustrated when he'd mess yeah, up the slightest bit, to the pure physical comedy genius of his head just violently rocking back and forth when he would sneeze like, holy crap. Also, I gotta say, I like and I have missed Leslie Andy team-ups. It's been a minute. There's something so sweetly, ridiculously endearing about Andy's loyalty to Leslie that just makes me smile. I don't think we've seen a good combo of Leslie Andy since, I'm going to say season five, episode one, Ms. Nope Goes to Washington. Like, it's been a while. That probably is accurate. Um, We also got, I will say, a return to classic full-strength snarky April, which also made me smile yeah. big time. And on a related note, yeah. you know how sometimes we've had discussions about when, when marriages occur in sitcoms and, oh, now these people are married and it's not going to be as funny. Yeah. And we've talked about April and Andy in that yeah. sense and, like, did it affect it? Yeah. And this is a great example of showing how April and Andy their marriage didn't pump the comedic brakes for them. Like they are yeah. still outstanding on their own and they don't have to be part of a, of a couple at and, all times. And yet they've both still grown as people. Moments like this take them back a little bit, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Although Donna didn't have arguably a lot of plot, important mm. lines or scenes. It still felt like she was very, very, very much in the midst of things, which is a nice yeah, change. It really I'm going to say, yeah, agree. Like with it that. felt like she was like a part of it as much as anybody. Yeah. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I know Billy Eichner's brand of funny may wear on some people. Like I understand on this show. Yeah. He's kind of one note, but that one note really works for me. Like, and I think he was really earnest here too in wanting this thing, which I think made him relatable. So I think it was more forgivable than usual for people who feel that way. You know, I agree been. with that. I yeah. agree with that. Um, I also like that they called Craig out in a way. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like they didn't just pretend like, oh, that's mm. Craig. Like they actually said, no, dude, you need to rein it in. Like kind of similar. This is a trend. This is kind yeah, yeah, of yeah. similar to what we wish some of the episodes in the past that people had done with Leslie when she started to go off the rails. And, and they did just recently. Yeah. Called it out. And, and which, it's kind of refreshing. Yeah. I think we're there. Well, yeah. and you know what? I also saw Ben kind of call Ron out. Like he said, I, oh, yeah. I admire you for many things, but you are a, a terrible point. person. Wow. And I was like, now I know they weren't trying to get like real serious. This is no, a sitcom, but... but I was like, I'm a little impressed by that. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, in conclusion, this was a very well-written episode with more funny and endearing moments than you can shake a stick at. Like, the the deep comedic bench was very well used. It was the extra writers. The, the double golden pen did <laughs> it. It. Was, it was maybe slightly light on Jerry. But that's it. And even he had some His stuff was scenes. very funny, though, yeah. in the tent and, like, being sick. Absolutely. And it's not like they ignored Jim's him. Jim's ability to do physical comedy was there. So oh, yeah. I appreciated it. Yeah. I, I'm going to say I think that this was one of the best episodes this season since the season premiere Lunder two-parter. All right. Um, which is kind of foreshadowing here. So let's start the crazy All right, Mark let's Gruber. do it. All right, I'm going to give this sucker a 4.5 base score. I was tempted to give it a 5. I ended up 4.5. I thought all three stories were outstanding. Yeah. I'm going to give an entire point 
in in combination to my episode co-MVPs, Adam Scott has been Wyatt, Chris Pratt is Andy Dwyer. I'm going to give half a point for what I thought was a good use of the deep comedic bench. And also, you know how sometimes I'll keep track of the scenes, mm. like the scene count? Yeah, how do we do this week? It was a rather even split. It's more even than normal. Really? Like the ABC split was like 12 and a half, eight and a half, eight. That's pretty, pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give half a point for a really nice list of guest stars, including the cantankerous Billy Eichner as Craig Middlebrooks, the great Sam Elliott yes. as Ron Dunn, one of yeah. the greatest voices ever, ever. The veteran Jim Meskimen as Martin Housley. You know, his mom is Marion Ross. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. I follow him on Instagram. He Wow. I, I find it interesting here. Like if you watch the producer's cut, you get to see him. If you don't watch the producer's cut, you don't get to see him. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. But he he he's kind of bad at impressions on the stage. And I think that's the shtick of it. But in real life, he is not bad at impressions in any way whatsoever. Like they're all Tommy Lee Jones hit. You know what I mean? Like that was his best one there. But like go watch him on Instagram. He's amazing. Yeah, he's good. But he was celebrating with, with Mary and his mom. Like she just had like a 90 something birthday. Wow. So she's still still with us and national treasure, that woman. That is so, amazing. Yeah. Thank so, you for that. I yeah. did not know that. I don't know if you knew that. So. Um, we have, uh, is still in the way of guest stars, we have the great Jay Jackson oh, yeah. as, as Mr. Purd Happily. Slam and Purd. Um, Singer guitarist for the band Wilco, Jeff Tweedy as uh, Scott Tanner. Uncle Tupelo before uh, Wilco. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, the very funny comedian slash musician Bo Burnham as Chip McCaff. Oh, yeah. um, he's what, like 12 in this show? Yeah. I mean, it was at the very beginning of his career. Yeah. He's like, I think he was like maybe very, very early 20s. Yeah. They, they say, like, they say the actor, or the, the character Chip is like 17 or something, right? Yeah. He can't be much older in real life. No, yeah. I think he was, I think like in all seriousness, he was like 23. Really? Yeah. Um, who else we got? Um, I mean, we had a few other minor characters like a Xander Trufant was yeah. played by Shel Raston. Yeah. Uh, Terrence Montreux, the other restaurant too. I yeah. own 12 restaurants, monsieur. Monsieur. Um, by Michael uh, Rothar was the actor and Rod McCary played Judge uh, Ryan Let Go, I which that. I just love because of the name the Ryan name Let Go. That's amazing. Um, Maybe it's Rain Let Go. I don't know. It anyway, doesn't matter. It's so, fun with names and it's genius. For all yes. those great guest stars, I'm giving a half point. All right. I'm going to give an entire point for what I call the support combo because everybody did such a good job. Yes, I know I gave special attention to co my co-MVPs, but I want to give a real severe tip of the hat to the others. Great jobs by... Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope, Aubrey Plaza as April Ludgate, Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson, Retta as Don Meagle. I mean, even Tom was funny and he sometimes yeah. is, is someone that like, meh, it just doesn't like speak to me a whole lot. But, but even Tom, I thought was funny in this. Um, I'm going to give half a point for what I call the Ben there done that combo. Wow, you see what I did? <laughs> the, the interplay between Ron Dunn and Ben was fantastic. Not to mention, as we said, I had forgotten Ben never had the pleasure of meeting Ron Dunn until now. It's crazy. Um, I'm going to give half point for what I call the sommelier combo. The contrast between Xander, competent and professional, yeah. Craig, competent and crazy, and April, snarky and crazy, was outstanding, as was Tom's despair at his idea not quite being the secret he thought it was going to be. I'm going to give one more half point for what I call the resolution combo. Leslie and Andy teaming up to get Landho as a headliner replacement for Chip McCap, plus... Tom finding his affordable sommelier in Crazy Craig, 
plus Ben coming to terms with why he was so upset with his parents, plus having the A and C stories come together at the end for the big reveal, Leslie being pregnant. So you add all of those points up, and you get 9.0 Little Sebastians, which is my score for the regular episode. Okay. But I'm bumping it up a half, a half point. Really? For, you for, feel for like it was that cut. different? I do. I, I, I'm giving it a 9.5 for the producer's cut. Um, I, uh, I, I, I thought this was an outstanding episode. I thought it benefited from having a producer's cut. Gun to my head, I think I would still put the original flu season a little bit ahead of it. Yeah. Not by much, though, if compared to the producer's cut. I, I liked it. Again, it feels like Parks and Rec is, in my opinion, successfully ramping upwards towards mm. the season finale. Interesting. So, okay. Alan, scuba incoming. Rocket, buddy. All right. Sco- scuba received. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had co-MVPs as well. Mine were Amy Poehler and Adam Scott. Very so, good. And, you know, much like our scores, we're, we're frequently in alignment, I think, thematically as well. And I'd say all the reasons you mentioned Adam Scott deserving co-MVP uh, if you, in your pairing, I absolutely agree with. Um, just I've, I've said before, like his his physical comedy and just he just I don't know. In his generation, it's hard to find other people that funny. Yeah. You know, he gets the alcohol and he's like, hey, uh, you know, it's just like. It's just every time it gets me, you know, it's just so good. He reacted that way when he drank Ron's, or like Scott's, like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Adam Scott, you know, despite playing the drunk character, which I think, you know, is one of those characters that could go a couple different ways, right? It could be a total throwaway. It could be all tropey and stupid. But I think the story they wrote for him allowed him to really kind of sell it and, and, and make it realistic is a strong word in a sitcom, right? Relatively realistic. He's I upset mean, about this thing his parents has, yeah. have done without consulting him. He doesn't get it. Um, you know, he turns to the bottle, age old story, right? Of the blueberry wine. It's me. always the blueberry wine. Of isn't course. It? Why is it always the blueberry wine? Well, it's but, because it stains your teeth. Chicklets. Yeah. yeah. Your chicklets. Mm-hmm. But, um. And and I paired Adam this week with Amy, though, because I felt like I, I'm interested in this journey she's on where she's realizing that she's pregnant and are, are in the beginning thinking she may be pregnant, trying to save this headliner who she hates. I just I thought she did a really good job with the material presented. And, and again, the material presented was amazing this week. Just very good, solid episode. Um, hard to find things I didn't like here, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Um, Tom was not grading. I thought it was a good use of the bench overall. And my only complaint is Jerry. Like you said, Donna did great. It was great to see her on screen in a much more, um, inclusive, inclusive way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I said, Andy is stupid and April's destructive. You know what I mean? And that was one of my slight annoyances, but at the same time, I love sweet, stupid Andy here. And I like this version of April. And this wasn't about them. Right. So I was okay with it. Like I said, I think on a, on a week where the episode was weaker, I could have been more bothered by the negative side of those performances or the way they were written anyway. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I thought it worked for the episode. Um, great guest stars, as you've already mentioned. Um, I loved how at the end, basically we ended up with Ben and Leslie. Yeah. I think the only thing that could have made this episode stronger, whether it's the producer's cut especially the producer's cut, right? Cause you get more time. 
who cares if it's 27 minutes? Make it 28 and do the thing I'm about to talk about. Right. But in the standard cut, it's a little harder. Start off with Amy and Ben, right? With Ben and Leslie, mm -hmm. rather. And end with them. Like, bookend it. Because I think oh, if that would have been nice. You know what I mean? Like, if there'd been just some little hint about the grind of work and wishing something was a missing or slightly different for them and then ending this way, I don't know. I, it would have hit me harder, I think. I, I think they tried. I completely agree with yeah. you. I think that they tried to hint at that a little bit in the producer's cut cold open when Leslie had her talking head and she said, this, is the, very the, end this okay. is the last thing that you know, on my checklist before I turn to life's bigger. Now, you could interpret that to mean she's like going to a new job or that she's like almost ready to yeah. turn the Unity concert over. But it could have been that. I, I think it's an emphasis on the syllable thing for me. Yeah. She did say it, but she hit the checklist harder, which is, you know, know. overprepared Leslie, yeah. right? Which we forgot to say we that. We forgot trope. to say that. You're right. But but again, you're totally right. I think maybe just something with, with Adam Scott and her to hit it just a little harder. Could have hit it a little harder. Yeah, yeah I agree. Absolutely. Um, I've, I felt like the, um, the, the cold open was a little bit of a throwaway. And I mentioned that to you. We debated. Yeah. Whether or not to play it or the first scene, we of yeah. course chose the first scene, which was the cold open of the standard cut. Right. And I think actually made a better cold open, frankly. I think that you're right. I think that, that the, the producers cut cold open was fine and it was funny enough in its own right, but it was much more throwaway. I mean, it was, there was, it there was, was nothing wrong with there's it. nothing wrong with it. it. It was, it was good, but yeah. it wasn't great. Well said. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, and again, it did have Jim in it and some other guest stars. So that was kind of neat. So, right. Yeah. Um, Mark, for me, I gave this uh, nine little Sebastians. I felt like, and for me, that is the producer's cut score. I didn't feel, and I did watch standard before I watched producer's cut. Mm -hmm. um, I always try to do that, even if I don't like do super deep analysis on the differentials between the two. Right. But for me, I, I think I could have given the standard cut a nine as well. I just felt like. They sold it harder and it hit home harder with the, you know, like I had no doubts of giving the producer's cut a nine. I might have on a bad day waffled and given the standard cut at eight and a half. But I think just because I watched them kind of pretty close together here, I didn't. And, um, but I, I'll, I'll buy your point that it's, it's a little bit better as a producer's cut. I think they use the six minutes pretty well. I will say that. I mean, it's, it's close. I, I, I would, I would go the opposite way with it also and say the, the, the 21 and a half minutes that they chose to keep for the regular episode. Yeah. I think it was good enough to keep the intent and the spirit yeah. and the goodness of the episode there. I so I, I don't yeah. argue with your score either. Yeah, I agree with that. So, well, I'm just excited that unity concerts about here. I think we've got one more episode or two before we get into the unity concert storyline yeah. itself. I can't remember if it's going to maintain our upward or maybe take a slight dip before it comes back up. We'll find out next week. Mm. Dot, dot, dot. And which is what episode would that be? Alan? Absolutely. Mark, that's going to be episode 6.20, one in 8,000. Wow. So, and I had a one in 8,000 chance of being ready for that question and yay me. And we so. have, after today, we have 15 more episodes <sighs> and we are done with this podcast. Can Kinda. you even believe it? Here's what's going to happen, mm. right? We're, we're going to wrap up. We're going to be done. We'll yeah. have a couple more guests before we're done. Sure. And then we will come out of retirement. Mm. We will unmothball this studio mm. when we get one of the main cast to come on the show. Oh, holy cow. All if, right. If we can make it happen, 
And, and I'm just saying there's going to be a whole lot of indecent begging that goes on. <laughs> Once I've got a little more time, we're going to work on it a little more and see if we can make it happen. I mean, we can put the studio in suspended animation and just like Whatever leave everything. We leave Harvey and Constantine in the booth. Oh, yeah. They're just like with the finger on the button. But we, we don't. Not that to, button. But if, if no, not that. Record. We, we got rid of that button. <laughs> we did. Um, but if they're in suspended animation, we don't have to pay them, right? We do not. Okay. Then I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm actually... We should just do that when we go home at night. Oh, that's brilliant. I had never thought of <laughs> They're that. They're always here then. Yeah. Uh, that might hurt Constantine's relationship, but you know what? Not my concern. Well, I think Harvey would prefer that. <laughs> I think he would, mm. as a matter of fact. All right, Mark. Well, nice job today. Uh, good job. Good good job agreeing with me mostly, and uh, <laughs> as always. And uh, thanks, for everybody, for listening. Please go out on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we just passed 160,000. That's right. We should mention that. So, yay. Thank you. We didn't really celebrate 150,000 properly, so maybe we'll go back and do that as the afterthought. But um, we really do appreciate you listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompony.com for more details or to contact us. They wait on Mr. Class Act himself. Leslie takes a minute to catch up with Ben and who is still hundred, several hundred with Ben, who is several hundred leaders in Milton. <laughs> 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 <laughs>